From beanies to carry bags and from shoes to caps, browse our shop now at tntradio.live. A natural nurse in a toxic world. Kate Shimarani on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Hey, it's me, Kate Shimarani for TNT. And can you believe it? Happy New Year to all of you. You are the natural nurse army. You're in the army now. Don't forget. It's actually January the 6th, but you did promise me in my last show that when anyone said to you, oh, come and have a McDonald's, come and have some fast food, come on out, let's go on a bender, you say, I'm in the army now, the Kate Shamarani Natural Nurse Army. You're not going to be doing any benders other than my seven-day bender. We're going to be talking about that in the next half of my show. Right now, I want to talk about the nurses, the nurses and the doctors. It's quite scary, isn't it? I just want to tell you something that's going on in the UK. This is quite interesting. You need to listen up, folks. Key players in the following are USA, UK, Canada and Australia. Paxlovid, that nasty drug, costs £1,390 per course. It's owned by Pfizer, who had it made by Indian firm Torrent Pharma. And in December, they received, that was in uh, December 2023, they received a code 483 warning from the FDA. What's that warning? Contamination, batch discrepancies and irregular paperwork, but nothing from the MHRA in the UK. Oh, no, they've kept quiet. They didn't warn anybody, anybody about it. It's used specifically on the elderly and the unvaccinated. Why is that? Why would they only use it on the elderly and the unvaccinated? It's an antiviral. It's used as an AIDS drug for those that are diagnosed HIV, the other lie. And there's a massive list of contraindications with this drug. And those contraindications are for the drugs that would work. Anyone would think they were trying to kill you. Is this really happening? Oh, yes, it is. Now, who's going to dispense that drug? The nurses. Who's going to prescribe it? The doctors. Your scope of professional conduct, your, your safe administration of medicines as registered nurses in the UK, you're supposed to know what a drug is and what it does. You're supposed to know everything about it before you give it. But you don't, do you? Many, many of you don't. You gave remdesivir. And I asked lots of nurses and you didn't know that there was a mortality rate of 54%. All the dirty deal that the pharmaceutical companies did saying, if you use our drug, we'll give you 20% discount on the rest of the drugs. So they did. And then they gave the bill and the, the insurance companies paid the bill, but they didn't give the patient a 20% discount. No, so they made a lot of money. Well, that's in the American hospitals, the hospitals, as I like to affectionately call them. But of course, then we have the National Homicide Service in the UK, the NHS. And we are now switching to the American style system. And no one's been told. We were just told to stay home, protect the NHS. We saw the dancing nurses. Couldn't have been that busy. I've been a nurse for nearly 40 years. I'm also a dancer and it takes a long time to learn a routine. But we saw empty hospitals, dance routine, fat nurses squeezed into scrubs like well-stuffed Chesterfield couches. Hardly the epitome of health. Uh, shameful, really, because when I trained, you weren't allowed to be like that. 
you are expected to be clean and tidy. It's quite interesting, actually, that the nurses are giving drugs that they don't know about. And we know that Matt Hancock ordered 9.9 .9 million milligrams of midazolam, a benzodiazepine, and it was given with opioids. They got through that in nine months instead of the usual two years using it as an end-of-life drug or in anesthesia. Well, who got through it? Well, the guideline came down from government, NG159, NG163, NG191, 27.7, 27.2, we're now on to 29.5, I believe it is, God help us all. So the doctors prescribed it following a guideline and the nurses gave it in huge doses. But unfortunately, you see, it does state on your code of professional conduct that you are to, to work within the laws of your country. That's whether you're American, it's the same. It's the same everywhere. And the doctors as well. So it's quite interesting that they gave large amounts and 90,000 patients in the UK were moved from the hospitals into the scare homes in the UK, even if they tested positive for COVID, they were moved in nursing homes without it. And most of the deaths occurred in those care homes. And there was a payment of £3,300 accompanying those patients, as well as their care home fee, and a one-off payment. They got that £3,300 a week. It's quite lucrative, really, wasn't it? But ultimately, ultimately, who gave those drugs? You did. You nurses, you signed for them. You signed in the controlled drug book because it is indeed a controlled drug. And those books stay forever. And you signed the patient notes. You've almost signed, uh, one could say you're, you're declaring in a court of law. But can you stand in a court of law if pressed, if arrested? Could you stand there and justify why you gave that amount? Because there was a time in history where nurses were paid for Reichmark, I believe, to Dobbin, where the disabled children were. Midwives were paid that. And if the authorities got those children, adolescents and adults, they received another four Reichmarks. How could those nurses do that? And then those nurses went on and they gave concoctions of drugs or starved or left them outside to perish and they killed these disabled children, adolescents, adults. How could they possibly do it? Well, some of them wouldn't. They were sacked. They were struck off. But those that did joined the Nazi party. Why? How could they do it? How could they actually do it? Now, at the Nuremberg trials, there were 900 pages and eight tons of evidence. And it's a very sobering read when you read the testimonies of the nurses on trial, many of whom went to jail. Many went to jail for life. Some of them were hanged, as were the doctors. I don't believe the laws have changed. If you kill enough people under the Rome Statute, I believe you found guilty, it's exactly the same. Does that make your mouth dry? Because it should. Remember, you're a patient advocate. You are to work within the realms of the law. So those nurses did that then, and you've just done it now. Can you answer? What did you see? Well, my guest today is Ken McCarthy. And Ken wrote a book called Fauci's First Fraud. He also wrote a book in many languages, The Nuremberg Code. And Kennedy's book, The Real Anthony Fauci, 
Ken was mentioned 28 times in the footnote for his work because nobody else would write it because they're all cowards, yellow belly, weak-legged cowards. But he wrote it and he wrote this book, What the Nurses Saw. Ken, welcome to TNT Radio. Kate Shamarani, me here. Tyrannical times, isn't it? Medical crimes in tyrannical times. Thanks for having me on, Kate. Oh, it's a great honour. It's a very um, chilling book. Many of those nurses I've personally spoken to, but when you actually see it all together, it's pretty horrific. I, I, I'm not sure, and I've, I've heard testimonies from nurses, young nurses, oh my word, why? Why is the question, why? Why would they do it? What do you think's going on? Tell us about what the nurses saw. Well, the book is based on interviews with nurses, uh, specifically the nurses who uh, rebelled and said no. Uh, and I, I have uh, interviews with them. And I also have interviews with um, experts on the financial aspects of this, which you, you referred to. And there are a lot of them. There, are a lot, there were a lot of financial incentives and inducements uh, given to the hospitals to carry out pr protocols that obviously didn't work, uh, had no precedent in medical history and had no scientific basis. I don't know if they did this to you in England, but they were telling us all the time, follow the science, follow the science. Well, they put in place a set of protocols to quote, treat COVID patients that had absolutely no basis in science whatsoever, flew in the face of all previous medical practice, and they enforced it with an iron fist. If you didn't go along, you were demoted. If you continued, you were fired. Uh, and some who were fired were, were hounded out of the profession. Times. Very much so. Uh, you know, you, you obviously are very well informed about the fact that the Holocaust actually began with the murder of disabled infants. That's where they got their. That's where they, that's how they got started. That's how they worked out their various procedures. And there's an interesting historical twist here. Uh, one of the things the Nazis did when they first took power was they wanted to know who all the Jewish ancestry people were. They wanted, for some reason, they had to have that database. Uh, they went to IBM. Uh, who helped them assemble it. And then the very second thing they did a few years later was through the Nuremberg laws, they made it illegal for a Jewish person to be a doctor or a nurse. And they drove all the, the, doc, the Jewish doctors and nurses out of the profession. And who do they replace them with? Card-carrying Nazi party members. In fact, during the, the, the Hitler Zeit, you know, the Hitler time, the Nazi regime, uh, that profession of physician was more represented with card-carrying party members, not just people swept away or coerced into doing it, voluntary Nazis. And those were the people that ran medicine in Germany. And um, I did an estimate, you know, they, we, we know about the big camps, you know, we know about Auschwitz and places like that, but in total, there were at least 20,000 camps of all different sizes, many of them slave labor camps, many of them holding camps. Each one of them had a, had a medical clinic. Some of them had full-fledged hospitals. They were all staffed with, with doctors and, and nurses. And uh, we're aware of some of the murder methods, but one that for some reason did not make it into public awareness is murder by injection. So if you were an employee, or not an employee, a slave in one of these slave labor camps, and you, you were unwell, if they felt they couldn't get you back on the line, they would just give you a lethal injection and bury you. And so many, many people were killed that way, one at a time by injections administered by doctors and nurses. This is the history, it, it can't be changed. This is what actually happened. 
Ken, this is no different to what I see now. I started my training in 1984. We have the Palliative Care Funding Review, the Lansley Report from 2011, which says that they are going to be broadening and incentivizing palliative care. Page 64, uh, uh, people, please do go and look at it. Don't take my word for it. The 2011 Palliative Care Funding Review by Andrew Lansley. Scroll down to page 64, there's a box and it shows you the amount of deaths from 2011 to 2031. And you'll see that they're slowly increasing in the 65 plus and then they exponentially increase. One would think that if they were trying to save these elderly by giving them flu shot, shingle shot, uh, COVID booster, pneumonia shot, why would more be dying? Anyone would think that these were really like the gas chambers. You are listening to myself, Kate Shimarani, on the TNT show, Medical Crimes in Tyrannical Times with Ken McCarthy. And we are talking about what the nurses saw. And we're also talking about bastardized science. Do join us straight after the break with a note from our sponsors. Grab yourself a cup of tea because your mouth is going to get dry. TNT Radio's Hervoy Morich. Approximately 650,000 Ukrainian men aged 18 to 60 have left Ukraine for Europe since the start of the war. It's a tough spot if your country is being invaded. Uh, that's one thing and you're a, a male and a citizen. Um, but you know, if, the war, if it's a globalist war, I, I wouldn't want to participate <laughs> in these banker globalist wars. And most of them just uh, are. Hervoy Morich on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. The challenges our planet's animals are facing sometimes feel a bit heavy. Uh, animals haven't eaten in a day, two days, they haven't drank anything, they're cold, they're dehydrated. As soon as we started our descent, everywhere I could see was mud. Just absolutely mud. You know, the country has been long for drought so long. It was like a tinderbox waiting to go up. Okay, very heavy. Each of us wants to be part of the solution. And we can be. Remember that there's good happening right now. At home. All right, we were able to get into the unit and we have all four of your cats. So, uh... Uh, okay. And around the world. For any animal in any disaster. So let's focus on that, right? Be part of the solution. One rescue at a time. Search ifa.org forward slash disaster ready. Right now, the forgotten poor are waiting for healing and care for life-saving medical care, for a chance to live with dignity and hope. They are waiting for Mercy Ships and you. Mercy Ships is the largest floating civilian hospital in the world with volunteer medical staff and crew who donate their time to save lives. And now, as our newest state-of-the-art hospital ship sets sail, Mercy Ships will double our ability to reach children and adults who need us now. Without the work of Mercy Ships, these patients don't have another option. Mercy Ships is answering the call to serve suffering people who have nowhere else to turn. Together, we are going to some of the world's most desperate places and bringing a wave of hope and healing to those who need it most. To learn more about this wave of hope, go to mercyships.org today. A natural nurse in a toxic world. Kate Shimarani on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. 
I'm Kate Shamarani for TNT Live, and you are listening to me on the 6th of January. Happy New Year if you've just joined me. It really is a happy new year. The world is the most beautiful place. I'm a Christian. It was created for us to enjoy, not endure. And we talk about some horrible things, but I always finish with some wonderful good things because the tyrants in power going above and beyond the power that we the people bestowed upon them if you do indeed believe in democracy. <laughs> what a joke. Um, you know, they've got the, the agents of the state working for them, that'd be the cops. And then what they're using is the entire healthcare system again, again. You can go back hundreds of years and you'll see that it's always those entrusted to care for us the very people that we look up to we shouldn't we shouldn't idolize anyone other than that lord and creator but they're the very ones that take our lives believe it or not and now the mask is well and truly off and people are seeing it and my guest today ken mccarthy author of the book what the nurse saw is telling us about it ken welcome back so you were just talking about um, the Nazis and terrible because they also, uh, to save on whatever, they had guillotines or guillotines for peasants that say it wrong. I'm, apparently I'm a peasant. Um, it's guillotines, French. Um, they had guillotines in the town hall basements and they used to chop the heads off these poor people. And uh, even the nuns and the priests went along with it. Uh, it's it's a it's a mouth-watering time and actually we see our journalists oh i see them all the time pimping for a tyrannical government but they don't realize that if they if they keep pimping like this there's two things going to happen it's the same as the nurses the doctors there's two things going to happen it's either going to be that all the dissidents are rounded up and we're all in the camp aka the hospitals and we're got rid of and then it'll be them next anyway or there's going to be a revolution and it'll be them next anyway. So either way, they don't win. They never win through history. And the Polish Highlanders who collaborated with the Nazis, what you don't hear incidentally is there wasn't just a Nuremberg that had trials. Every town and every village, they had their own trials and they took care of all of those that they thought or saw had collaborated and lots of people were um, sadly executed by their neighbours and everybody. So uh, it, it's kind of a, a warning from history. And I say to all you nurses, come now collectively and speak up about what you've seen. And you may, may have some clemency. Justice must be done and justice must be seen to be done as a warning in history. And for all you doctors on strike right now, just to get it in, I'd sack every single sad, sorry one of you. Oh, we get less than a barista. No, but when you qualified, you will go and do private. And I've never, never met a poor doctor at all. So to be outside the hospitals with your megaphones when people are dying, being born, trying to recover, and you're being noisy, they need peace and quiet. Shame on you. I just thought I'd get that in. So, Ken, continue to tell us the similarities. Um, well, they're a mirror image, really, aren't they? It's uh, same. Well, it, the way I looked for instance at COVID was COVID was just a repeat of the AIDS uh, fraud, 
Uh, same playbook, but you know, different disease, different target, or different target. Uh, and they just they literally took the exact same tricks uh, and used them to fool people uh, again. Same. I mean, for instance, the test. Everybody had to get tested. The tests were un, the tests were unreliable. If you had a positive test and yet no symptoms at all and were healthy as a horse, you were called a case. And then if you God help you if you were declared a case, then they pushed all kinds of deadly drugs on you. Could be COVID, could be AIDS, it's the same exact playbook. So Can we just say here, just so people are aware, please do do your due diligence, don't listen to us. Um, Dr. Anthony Fauci was involved in that again. So you'd have all these gays. Um, and just, I know, I always like to mention as, uh, you know, your, your backside, whatever you want to call it, but I've heard it called lots of things on here by people I've interviewed. Um, but the anus is too, too cells thick and uh, the vagina is acidic. And so semen is no problem in the vagina, but it's very toxic in the stomach and it's very toxic in the anus. These were gay guys that were partying hard, doing lots of drugs, uh, you know, going to bed very, very late. And actually, if you're a woman doing that, the same thing, eating junk food, and then they got sick as anybody would your your whole constitution would start to degrade because you're putting in a lot of toxicity in your body off they would go and get a pcr test and they would be told oh you've got hiv but don't worry we've got this new drug called azt and it wiped out it caused leukocytopenia so when they would present with one of 29 pre-existing diseases they would say it was because of their HIV status, their AIDS. And it was Anthony Fauci that renamed leukocytopenia AIDS. And AZT is a terribly toxic drug. As I understand it, they're now giving it just, just if somebody, you know, it's gets, so, it's, it's gay. It's so toxic, Kate, that it had, been yeah. banned. it had been banned for human use. And then for some reason, using an emergency use, use authorization, which is what they use in this country, they suddenly made it the, the drug of choice. And there wasn't an end. They attacked anybody because there were a lot of people that knew this was bad. And, they would, and, and there were people in the gay community at the time that knew it was bad. And they were getting death threats for showing up at supposedly gay rights meetings and saying, hey, why are we giving people these drugs? They're killing them. And those people were driven out of the, of the movement. I mean, it, it's so similar to what happened with COVID. Um, like it was a dry run. With well, the same you know, people, I talk to Anthony Fauci. That I really think they stumbled memory. on a formula. See, they've always been, they always try to take the, the, the virus of the month and build it into the biggest thing, you know, Ebola, right? And, and uh, Zika. I don't know if you, if you guys had the Zika virus. Zika virus, yeah. Which was probably pesticide poisoning because everybody. Yeah, little little heads. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm, I'm not a virus believer. So. Yeah, but they, they, they are. They love viruses because uh, now it gives them a chance to produce a drug and to basically force it on everybody. So they, they've been constantly running this same routine for decades and decades, and they, uh, they hit the jackpot with AIDS. And they've been trying to do it again. We had the bird flu and the swine flu and the Zika flu and this and that. And, but this COVID thing, they clearly were very well prepared. They had all their ducks in a row and they went at it with full force. And, that, and that, maybe that's something that would be interesting for us to talk about. This protocol that they enforced in US hospitals, and I'm not sure how they did it in UK hospitals, was as follows. You'd come in with respiratory distress, obviously that's why you're in the hospital. Um, they would, if you were diagnosed as COVID, they would not allow you to have ibuprofen 
the the um, the normal uh, anti-inflammatory that is given had been given forever. You were somehow uh, you could not get it. Uh, you were not allowed to get the steroid treatment that they give to people that have. I think budesonide is thirty thirty three dollars or something. Yeah. Whereas remdesivir is several thousand. And budesonide had a hundred percent recovery with a nebulizer, but you, but you see, the nurses, they knew this, they saw this, and the sure. doctors did. So why didn't they? Why why did they go along? Uh, you know, if you kill, if you see one patient, you give a treatment, they they die. Next patient, give the same treatment, they die. You're going to start thinking when patient number three comes in, I'm a bit reluctant to give that because they're going to die. But I know in my past nursing that when I gave this drug. They survived. Why? You know, I best stay quiet. I might get the sack. Oh, I've got a mortgage to pay. I've got a family to feed. I don't want to get in trouble with my boss. I'm hoping for a promotion. These are the things I've heard nurses say. Well, also, they, they remember, uh, they created a unprecedented terror campaign. I don't think ever in human history was there such a concentrated barrage and carpet bombing of terror messages all day. Exactly. And induced. You know, there's that, that Dutch fellow that wrote that book called Mass Formation, uh, and he left out an important point. There are people that their profession is inducing things like that. They study it. They practice it. They're, some of them are in the military. Some of them are in public relations. Some of them are in advertising. Some of them are, psycho are psychology professors in uh, the university. There's thousands of people that do nothing all day but figure out how to move the, the mass mind. So there was this intense carpet bombing of terror, and we were t and people were told uh, this is a disease that of of a type that has never been seen in the history of man, which was baloney. But but people believed it. They were told that it was unbelievably um, transmissible. You know, you just look at somebody and you're going to spread it. And then they were told that it and, and it hid behind. It knew when the pubs were closing in the UK. It hid behind lampposts and right. waited for last orders and as the last orders left and do you know it, it knew how to go to christenings to weddings uh, it was quite remarkable and what was even more remarkable was it never really got any of those that didn't wear a mask or get the vaccine isn't that something it's interesting yeah i i i mean as you know being a nurse never in the history of medicine would people wear the same mask all day long on a 12-hour shift and you wouldn't wear it just, just because you'd wear it because of a very you were in a very specific situation. Then when you took the mask off, you would take it off with great care. You would dispose of it with great care, and you would put on a fresh one. So this, so that's something that that non medical people, non nurses, should be aware of. That the things that were done during COVID had never been done in medicine before. There was no precedent for them ever. Um, so, so you have the terror bombing, you have people being told this disease is incredibly transmissible, incredibly fatal, that there's no cure. They were told that was the, that was the public message. And then, uh, in, in April, Anthony Fauci came along and said, aha, remdesivir. Uh, and you pointed out that remdesivir is very expensive. It's a failed Ebola drug, uh, failed. They tried to treat Ebola with it and it didn't work. Agent collects in the kidneys. So well, you've got patients yeah. on lots of other drugs. Well, it's so it's interesting. So dangerous. If you remember the Ebola thing, they were they were talking about this virus that caused people's uh, organs to fail. Maybe it was the maybe it was the remdesivir that was causing people's organs to fail. Right? I mean, that, right, it's it's very possible. But somehow this got uh, this became the one and only acceptable treatment for COVID.
right? Uh, what else did they do to these patients? So you'd come in, you they wouldn't give you anything to keep the inflammation down. They wouldn't do anything to reverse the, the lung problems, uh, but they put you on a BiPAP right away, which was premature. Uh, I don't know if they call that a BiPAP in the UK, but it's 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 a thing that goes right over your face, and it's like sticking your head out the window at sixty miles an hour. It forces it forces positive pressure. It forces air into your lungs. Uh, yeah, and they uh, they stopped any relatives from coming in. That 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 was the, the huge thing. So nobody oh, I can't have people seeing them kill people now, can we? Or the suffering, because you know, imagine you know you've you've been bombed by by all this terror uh now you're sick from something you go to the hospital you're in you're in fear of your life uh they won't give you anything that will treat you then they slap this bipap thing on you they don't tell you what it is or what it's for or the fact that it's uncomfortable uh now you're in a panic and they would call these patients agitated and then they would bring out the psych meds and say would you like something to help you relax and once they took that first drug then they would try to give them the next drug and the next drug and the next drug and the next and I know that a lot of the drugs are similar because, of course, you can see in the background behind me on my filing cabinet, beautiful Grace Shara, medically oh, murdered yeah. because she's Down syndrome. Action T4 right there. They mentioned it all through her notes, even though she was taking a driving test and had a red Mercedes convertible and was going to college. Uh, they they uh, mentioned her Down syndrome all the way through. And Madazalam. A Supreme Court judge in America, I think it was 2017 or 18, ruled that it, it was akin to waterboarding and that they couldn't use it. It was prolonged torture. When you take it and you give it the morphine, of course, it has a synergistic uh, effect. It makes it much, much more powerful. It actually paralyzes your breathing muscles. Yes. So, that so for you and I, if, if I said in a minute, you're going to not be able to breathe, I'm going to count to three, you'd go... <gasps> These patients don't know it's coming because the nurse comes in with that syringe, Nurse Ratchet, and she just injects it. Um, <clears throat> why? So what did these nurses see? Well, the ones that fought back, I mean, they saw all these things going on. Uh, one of the nurses, after seeing that the remdesivir didn't, and I can't blame anybody the first or second or maybe even third time, uh, you know, because you've been told this is, you know, it's, it's a disaster, a biological disaster, unprecedented, and here's the treatment, give it to save the life. I mean, they were lied to. But some of these nurses very early on said, wait a minute, I see these patients going into rapid decline, and the only thing that's causing it, as from what I can tell, is remdesivir. So one nurse said, I'm not going to hang the remdesivir bag anymore, because remdesivir is not a, a drug. It's it's a it's a, a drip that goes right into your veins, hangs from a bag. So you get 100% into your systemic circulation immediately. You've got no bit of your body filtering that or trying. That's why intravenous is far more dangerous than an injection which is far more dangerous than orally absolutely absolutely and and so they and then the hospitals were paid for every course of remdesivir they put a patient through not a not one bag but a, a a series of bags so that's a course some of these poor patients they put on multiple courses because they were still alive and they thought gee we're going to get paid again run another course so a lot of the nurses not a lot unfortunately it was not as it was far less than 10% of the nurses in, in, in America, I'm sure the number is the same everywhere in the world, far less than 10% stood up and, and said no, did their best to save patients, fought with the doctors, fought with the hospital administrators. Um, sometimes- That means we've got 90% of nurses registered 
Um, and just to let you nurses know in America that in 2020, there was a Supreme Court ruling that you are no longer protected when working under a doctor. It's going to be your behooky backside on the line. There's no one, no one's going to be standing behind you and in the UK and anyone else. No health authority, no union, none of your mates, no doctors, none of your bosses. You're going to stand under their own statute on your own and have to justify. And, and just another little little bit to throw in. I'm sure you're spitting your tea out. You're like, oh, this is a bit bad for a Saturday morning at eight o'clock. Don't worry, I always finish on a high. John Alooney, the undertaker, told me he always knew when the patients were given remdesivir because the body bags were sloshing when he went to collect the patients. How hideous is that? They were all full of fluid because the carrying agent collects in the kidneys. These patients are on loads of drugs and it causes the fluid to build up in the chest and around the heart. So what do they call it? COVID pneumonia. Oh, isn't it just, it's evil genius. It, evil it, genius it, it really with is. evil nurses and evil doctors well i mean I, I'm, you know i'm 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 i'm, I'm going to say this obviously not every nurse was involved in covid treatments so it, it, you know I, I mean that's just a fact so but but there were plenty that were uh and, they also saw empty hospitals they knew that there wasn't anything going on a load of them were stood outside one no mask having a fag that cigarette in britain folks uh, for the Americans that like, oh, she's just a fag, it's a cigarette. Um, they knew what was going on. They were telling me, but they didn't want to say anything. Don't forget the bribery as well. They were heroes. They got priority shopping. They got discount vouchers on the National Homicide Service website that became racketeers. Um, they got pizzas and takeaways. They were scrapping over food parcels. They were turning up at supermarkets in their dirty, filthy scrubs because suddenly in the supermarket, you know, nothing stuck to them. It doesn't matter. Um, but they were, they got a clap in the UK on a Thursday night. You had to go out, eat pots and pans and clap for these murderers. It, it, it was all, it was all, <laughs> it, was, it was all carefully designed and coordinated. Uh, you know, every, this was a war against the population and every war has a propaganda element and a big part of the propaganda element is to cover your tracks. And so they put psychological pressure on the nurses by, you know, awarding them and patting them on the back and, calling them heroes and so on. The real heroes were the nurses that said no, and they were treated horribly. Uh, well, look, you know what? Um, I am, well, I was once told that I'm Britain's most dangerous woman, natural nurse in a toxic world. I was the MC at the rallies. Yes, I've had my house raided. I, I was convicted. Um, I've had it all done to me and I don't care. Do you know what? I, I do it all again. I know who I am for all you ballers, gutless blokes that wouldn't come out there. I'd be at the front with a flag because I was the first time and I'm not killing anyone. And, uh, and I'm going to call you out on it every single time. And I'm so glad that Ken has written a book. Um, don't go away because you're going to hear a little bit more. So go and get your cup of tea, get your fella out there raking the leaves to come in and listen because this is the only station you should be listening to, TNT. And get on the website, get your cash out and buy some puffer jackets, socks, tea towels, whatever's on there. You know, a girl's got to eat. See you a note after our sponsors. The Light is Britain's far-right conspiracy theory paper spreading hate and vicious lies. No, that's what the BBC say. The Light is the only national newspaper bringing you the real news and informed opinion on what's really going on today. 
you can subscribe, order copies, submit articles, and read back issues on our website, thelightpaper.co.uk, and see for yourself why the establishment are so worried about the uncensored truth getting out to people every month. They've launched a new service called Wake Up Your Neighbours, where you can get copies delivered to the streets right around you if you don't want to do it yourself. The Light Paper. Not for right, just right so far. Thelightpaper.co.uk People might tell you that Lyme doesn't kill people, but we are losing people. People disappear from their lives. One of the scariest things that I had to deal with was uh, memory loss. Not just like I don't remember what I did last week, but like I forgot all the words to my own songs. I remember going to my primary care physician and he was like, you are 100% healthy, there's nothing wrong with you. And my response was, that's impossible, I'm dying. I wasn't working, so I had all of these hospital bills. We had to move out of our home and move into my parents' basement. I just wish I could have truly been present in those big moments, you know, when she took her first steps or, you know, her first day of preschool. Lyme is such a thief and it goes undetected because no one is looking for it. For more information and prevention tips, go to projectlime.org. Anticipate potential delays for the morning commute. In other news, a recent government report on prescription drug pricing points to corporate mouth. Freedom of the press is about your right to know. What are you talking about, man? Look at this athleticism. It's about your right to be informed. Your right to access all types of information keeps us free as a nation. No, 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 no. Today, there are real threats to press freedom. residential areas by... And your right to know about the world around us. Look. Some threats are obvious, some are easy to miss, but they all put our way of life at risk. We must defend against all of these threats, no matter what kind of news is important to you. Justified putting American troops in harm's way. That's a great question. We must protect our right to know before it's too late. Understand the threats. Protectpressfreedom.org. Around here, bushfire is just a part of life. We've been through it before, and we'll get through it again. The people here all look out for each other. We're a community that does its bit to plan and prepare to keep everyone safe. We live with bushfire, so we live bushfire ready. You're listening to Kate Shimarani on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. I'm Kate Shimarani, and it is January the 6th. We are well and truly into the new year, and you are listening to TNT. And if you're looking at me, I'm rather fabulous and gorgeous. Yes, I am still single. I keep saying this is the year I'm getting married. Offers on a postcard, you better have big gonads to take me on. Trust me on that one. Anyway, we're talking medical crimes in tyrannical times with Ken McCarthy here. We're talking about what the nurses saw. And for you who don't know me, uh, who've not heard me on a Saturday or anywhere else or seen me at the rallies or everything else I've done, um, a student nurse came to me and she told me, she's left nursing, her first year of nursing and her first ward um, was with, it was a urology ward. She told me the ward, she told me the hospital, she told me the nurse. And she's now having um, counselling for 
post-traumatic stress. And what she saw was elderly left in their urine and feces, and they were begging for a drink. All food, water, and essential medication was removed. They were crying, please give me a drink. And she was told not to give them anything. So she would sit and hold their hands. She felt so terrible. And one of the nurses came to the door and clicked her fingers to get the nurse out. Why did she do that? Why did you do that if you're watching? Is it because just in case this patient could identify you to a relative by your voice? It's kind of an odd thing to do. You didn't want to be identified, did you? And then they went in and injected these poor patients and they died very quickly after. One after another, after another, after another. It was urology ward. She's terrified, utterly terrified. I said to her, you're just telling me that you've been complicit in a crime. Now, she's not the only person who told me horrific things. Lots of people did. I've wept, snot, tears. I've gone for long walks in the forest thinking, this is just incredible. Now, Ken McCarthy, my guest, tell us, tell us what they did to these patients and what the nurses told you. Well, you're pointing out the, the care homes, or, or we call them nursing homes, and the neglect was just out of control. Uh, people not being fed, not being uh, given water, uh, not being cleaned, uh, and then and just incredible cruelty. You know, people want to walk, they want to get around and and uh, leave their rooms, and they were often uh, banned and not allowed to leave their rooms. Sometimes for as long as fourteen days at a time, with you know maybe a meal being delivered and and no human contact. Uh, and I think one of the, I mean, it just seemed like a simple thing, but one of the cruelest things I heard was this man wanted to walk with his walker and he went out into the hallway to get some exercise. And um, as a punishment, they took his walker away uh, so that he couldn't get out of bed and he couldn't move around. I mean, th this was the kind of mentality that was going on in, in the so-called care homes or nursing homes uh, around uh, Canada and the United States. We had an incredible death rate in, in, in the New York state. Uh, nursing homes. Just unbelievable. They blamed it on COVID. They said, oh, you brought all these COVID patients to the nursing homes. No, what you really did was you neglected uh, these patients, and many of them died deaths of despair, uh, and, and, and they were frail to begin with. So that's that. Um, but the other thing that went on, which we should talk about is, and, and by the way, I'm talking about all these things for a number of reasons. One is to encourage uh, nurses to look at their what they're doing. Uh, and reconsider uh, how they're approaching their lives, right? Uh, there are other ways you can use your health knowledge. Uh, you, don't have, you don't have to do it through, through one of these, these institutions. Uh, but the other reason I'm talking about these things, and I put this in a book, is this system still exists. This, these assembly lines are still operative. People are still dying this way. And the average person uh, doesn't have a clue. Uh, in fact, we've had knowledgeable people, that, and that's one of the things that shocked me after the book. I had people write and said, oh, my, my uncle knew all about it, but he was sick. He went to the hospital and they killed him anyway. I mean, he knew not to wear a mask. He knew not to get the vaccination. He knew that remdesivir was dangerous, but they managed to, it's, they have a very, I, I gave you the system. The, the BiPAP gets you agitated. The psych drugs get you un, unable you know, to, to make judgment. Uh, and then they start applying the remdesivir on you. Sometimes they would give remdesivir to people against their will. Sometimes they give it to them, uh, telling them that it was something else because it has another name, a Valakri or something. Valkyrie. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it's coercion, uh, deceit. But the other thing. This is illegal. Oh, it's, it's I, 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 just, I just want to put in at this. 
if you're one of those nurses that you've done it, you murdering bastards. And you know what? You've signed for it. I can tell you now, but while ever I've got breath in my body and I'm on this earth, I will be the new Nazi hunter. I can absolutely 100% assure you of that one because I'm sickened. And I've, on a personal note, seen some pretty damning stuff, let me tell you, over the last couple of weeks. You know your code of professional conduct. But I always say for every good nurse, there was 10 crap ones. In fact, that statement they had when they struck me off as, as a statement I'd used against the nurses. Well, guess what? I'd had a couple of hundreds, a couple of noughts on that now for every good nurse. Uh, honestly, I, I think some of, I, I think that the mentality of nursing, I'm going to say it, let me say it, I don't care what you think of me, I couldn't give a rat's behind, I think some of you like it, you like that authority, I first trained when I was 18 years old, and I can tell you, I've seen lovely, lovely nurses, diligent nurses, kind, professional, just professional nurses. I've seen terrible nurses. I've seen some downright cruel nurses, some nurse ratchets. Suddenly you lose your hearing when somebody needs the toilet, you just walk past them. You're just downright cruel. I think you enjoy it. I think that you suddenly really liked your authority. You liked it. You liked that authority. And it's a very powerful thing, isn't it, to take a life? I just want to remind each and every one of you, Euthanasia in the UK and America is illegal. And if it were legal, you'd need to have the patient's consent. Therefore, to hasten a death, doesn't matter how you do it, starving them, coercion to do it themselves, uh, removing all their food, water, essential medication. Just to say, Ken, when you have a patient that's been on lorazepam for a considerable amount of time, nine months, and you remove it, that patient goes into inner chaos. That's a side effect. So then you'd have to give them what? the benzodiazepines to calm them down so all of those things you see to hasten a death makes you a murderer that's what it makes you to hasten a death is murder 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 so ask yourself look in the mirror in the morning before you go to work and say am i a criminal ask yourself because at some stage in this life and certainly in the next you're going to face justice can well, do continue one thing that I'm working on now, uh, it's interesting, you know, you write a book and then you start, then you really start learning. And one of the things that I've been doing a lot now is talking to the uh, families of victims. Uh, and there are many of them. Uh, and we're trying to calculate how many, you know, a, a over a million people supposedly died of COVID in the United States. And 92% of them died in a hospital or other healthcare setting. So, it, it, it could be hundreds of thousands of people who died and, and they all left families behind, uh, which is good. I think that is ultimately going to be what determines uh, us winning this this war eventually. Uh, you know, the masks are off, the, the, the businesses are open, the schools are open. Most people realize the jabs are a fraud. Um, but there's hundreds of thousands of people in the United States alone who lost a loved one to this this horrific care. So um, that's something that I, and these, these stories, and, and I'm sure you've heard them, Kate, too. They're, they're absolutely horrifying. I mean, I thought I hear I, them all the time. I don't know how I can sleep at night, but I do like a log. Um, I think it's when I go for a walk and I pray, I, you know, um, well, the, you know, the whole purpose of this is to, is to stop it. But that's why we're talking about it. We're not talking about it, you know, to horrify people or to, you know, for any other purpose other than to stop it. And you can't, you know, it's just like medicine. You have to look at the wound. You can't imagine that there's no wound. You have to look at it and figure out how to treat it. So we, that's what this I, I think. Is. I think a way to treat it is we've got to stop the system. We've, we've got a case in the UK, the Gosport inquiry happened over 30 years ago. 
a doctor with the nurses as well, the end of the lives of loads and loads of elderly patients, hundreds and hundreds. And it's only just 35 years ago, because a lot of the relatives won't be here anymore. That doctor's still, you know, she was allowed to retire. I think we've got to look at the whole system, the top three causes of death are cancer, heart disease and prescription medication. And um, they're not, if I see, I know you all get a bit tetchy. You don't like it that I say you're all fat, you need to sort yourselves out. But you wouldn't go to a dentist with black teeth, would you? So you wouldn't go to a hairdresser with rubbish hair. So why are we coming to a health educating nurse or doctor that are fat? Stop it. Sort yourself out. I'm still slim and gorgeous and I'm 58. So, um, you know, we all know that McDonald's, Costa Coffee and everything else is not good for you and Coke and all the rest of it. And that is what is in all the hospitals. All of these fast food places are in the hospitals. I've seen the garbage that they serve up for the patients that are alive. Um, we have a new protocol in the UK, 29.5. It's quite horrific. They're going to diagnose, diagnose you as COVID with a pulse oximeter, testing just your oxygen. Uh, oh, you've got COVID. Uh, many of you see me today with my snot rags. Um, yes, I, I am having a detox. To have a cold is normal. To have a temperature is normal. It's your body's way of killing off whatever's invading. But what does the, they try to suppress it all. You know, Kate, during the during the, the, the height of the AIDS, AIDS uh, terror, they would give people these tests and they claimed that they were AIDS tests. And they weren't AIDS tests, they were HIV tests. And they weren't even HIV tests, they were tests for the presence of some um, genetic fragment. It turned out later that there were over 100 different ways to trigger a positive HIV test. And, I'm, and I have a feeling the pulse oximeter, there's probably a thousand different things that could reduce your... your it is. It's not just the nail varnish, being cold, being thin. It's the idiots using it. Right. Uh, have you calibrated it? Have you, have you got sweat? Have you, wa have you washed it with... Um, uh, and they won't have done. Wash. I've seen these people in their dirty, filthy, scruffy uniforms with their dirty masks, blue hair, tattoos, whatever. I'm sorry. I don't like it. And you know what? They're finding ink in the brain in autopsies. So stop tattooing yourself while you're at it as well. You're just heading, you know, more toxicity. So they, how are they going to even bother about a pulse oximeter when they don't even know everything else? But even, it even, really even, is even it's incredible. Accurate, even if the machine was 100% accurate, right? And even if the, the greatest practitioner was using it, who says it's COVID? It could be the flu. It could it's be COVID. Yeah. Everything's COVID. Don't you know that? Everything's, right, everything's COVID. Everything's COVID. I mean, soon enough, it'll be if you fart, it's COVID. Uh, you know, it's just ridiculous. And... Everybody now as well, ivermectin, ivermectin, ivermectin. Can you get me ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine? How did you get through the last 50 years of your life with a snotty nose without taking either of those drugs? You know, people, stop it. Stop being so stupid. Otherwise, I'm going to come round and certainly give you a natural nurse slap. Um, actually, men, they'd probably pay for that. Um, <laughs> Ken, where can people buy your book? And Absolutely. Buy everybody you know that's a nurse this book. If it's your neighbour or someone in your family, buy them the book and give it to them and insist they read it. Uh, leave it in your doctor's surgery on the table. Leave Boy. it in every hospital like I do the light newspaper. Where can they get this book? Tell us. Well, it's an interesting story. We could not get the Robert F. Kennedy book on Fauci into the, our local independent bookstores. We couldn't get my book on Fauci into them either. I couldn't get, I can't get this book in. The only place you can get it is Amazon. Now I'm not happy about that, 
but they are literally the only ones that will distribute it. I cannot get bookstores to care. Okay, we use the devil's tool against them. That's how I feel. Cool. That's how I feel. That's how I feel. And remember, this book is 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 informative and is designed to help you protect yourself so that when you have a loved one in the hospital, uh, and you can keep an eye on what's going on. And if they're, if they're starting to take your loved one in this direction, we haven't even talked about intubation and venting yet, but let me tell you right now, and I think Kate, you'll, you'll validate this. That is a last resort, last ditch. We've got, we've run out of every possible thing because half of the people that go on vents are either killed or seriously injured by them. It's a very invasive uh, procedure. It's a portal and for infection as soon as you put the tube in. Yeah, I mean, it's they call it and in the United States, they call it the garden hose. That's how big this thing is. And then you're on, we were talking about drips before. You don't take an aspirin to get on a vent. You're on five to 15 different vent, uh, uh, drips, including uh, things like um, fentanyl. And you've got to weed off those drugs as well. Yeah, exactly. And and the cruel thing they did was that not only did they, they incentivize the hospitals to put people on vents that shouldn't have been on, they incentivized them more if they kept them on for 96 hours or longer. Anybody that knows anything about venting will tell you, 24 hours after somebody's on a vent, you test and see if they're strong enough to get them off. You do not leave them on the vent for one second longer than they need to be. And our medical system was in was paying hospitals extra money to keep people on vents long killing people they were it's murder i mean yeah that's the net that's the net effect uh and and we have to think you know you 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 deny the normal treatment ibuprofen you deny the the the, the steroids you immediately put people on a a, a bipap which is too, too much, wasn't necessary in 99.9% .9 of the cases. You agitate people, you create anxiety, you give them drugs that makes them wobbly, you try to coerce them into getting this remdesivir, which was you know a failed drug. Uh, and now when they're really sick, they say, you know, you're not doing very well. I think the only way we can save your life is to put you on an event. This is the pattern. It's, it's in all the, I don't know if it's in all the hospitals now, but it's in many, many hospitals throughout the United States. It's everywhere. Okay. It's everywhere. Ladies and gentlemen, my friends, the Natural Nurse Army, you've been listening to Ken McCarthy. You can go on to the Devil's Tool and buy what the nurses saw and give it to every nurse you see, wedge it in the door at your doctor's office, leave it everywhere. Even write them a little note in it. We're watching you. Um, you know, I I'm coming for you. I'm coming for you. I'm not going to forget because I'm a nurse. And uh, Ken, thank you so much for joining us on on TNT, my show, Medical Crimes in Tyrannical Times. And I do hope you'll come back because you're writing another book and tell us all about that later. And folks, there is one way to make sure that you don't end up in the National Homicide Service or the scare homes or the hospital kills, uh, death, <laughs> death by medical intervention. And, and it's by learning how to look after your body. And that's what I'm all about, avoiding death, <laughs> death by medical intervention and, and it's by learning how to look after your body and that's what I'm all about avoiding and reversing disease naturally and I don't want you to go anywhere because the second half of my show you're going to hear the most amazing story of avoiding and reversing cancer uh, from a wonderful lady Fiona Shakila Burns I've interviewed her before I've known her for a few years but if any of you are catching this show for the first time I was diagnosed age 46 
and lobulate invasive grade three breast cancer. Three independent peer-reviewed studies said a 20% chance of surviving two years, zero five, if I did everything on the menu that they were offering. After surgery, I took two books in with me, Dr. Max Gerson's report, 50 cases in the China study, signed myself out, said I'd like to go home. And I commenced the Gerson therapy. That was 12 years ago, and I'm alive and well and cancer-free. And I've used that 12 years to study, trust me, five coffee enemas a day. I've shut up the walls over the cat and everywhere. 13 juices, but I taught myself how to avoid and reverse disease. And the last part of my healing was that I would learn to serve and I would teach everyone else how to be a minister of health and healing. So you know, don't go away and join me because you are now in the Natural Nurse Army. You can email me, kateshamarani at tntradio.live. If you want health consults, naturalnurse at mail.com. If you want to offer your hand in marriage, you better be coming with, I don't know, you better have big balls. I've already said it. And uh, you better love TNT. Ken McCarthy and myself, we will see you all the next part of the show, TNT. Thank you very much, campus.